I want to share something with you tonight that's very, very important. Actually, this is part two of last night. How many was here last night? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. So this is part two of last night. So if you wasn't here last night, uh, this is what I want to share with you, part two. Everybody say part two. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God desires, come on, everybody do it. God desires for you to be a total Christian. A total Christian. Amen. Lord, we ask You to open Your Word tonight. Speak Your Word in power and boldness and fervency that all of us would take heed to Your Word tonight and we would be that total Christian tonight. And everyone said, Amen. I'm going to speak part two of last night. I want you to listen to me because I really believe this is the Spirit of the Lord speaking to us as a church. What do I mean by a total Christian? I mean giving your head to the Lord, giving your heart to the Lord, and giving your hands to the Lord. If we have a head religion, then all it's going to compose of is doctrine and theology. If you have heart religion, all it's going to be is a feeling of joy and peace and gladness. If you have hands religion, all it's going to be is works or service. And so many times in life we focus upon one of those three things and we become unbalanced. We're not that total Christian. We don't have a holistic view of Christianity if we only view Christianity with the head or we only view Christianity with the heart or we only view Christianity with the hands. I am proposing to you tonight that the Scripture speaks of a holistic Christianity a total Christianity where it involves not only the heart, it involves the head, and it involves the hands. Would you say that with me tonight? The head, the heart, and the hands. Are you a holistic Christian tonight? You see, if we only have head religion, head religion speaks of sound doctrine. It speaks of the Word of God. It is the doctrine. It is theology. This approach is very, very important you should be actively engaging in the Bible. You should be actively engaging in the Scriptures, reading the Scriptures, allowing the Scriptures to become a daily part of your life. I think this is very, very, very important. It's not the only thing in Christianity, but it is the main thing in Christianity. You see, the Scripture says, and they'll have it behind me, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here to the believers. He says, I charge you, I charge you, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ that He will judge the living and He will judge the, the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Verse number 2, it says, Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering, with all... Uh, long-suffering and teaching. The Scripture goes on to say, he says, for the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires because they have itching ears and they'll heap upon themselves teachers. You see, there's coming a time where people won't give heed to sound doctrine, to theology and instruction. They'll turn their ears away from the truth 
And they'll give heed unto fables, things that will itch their ears. In Jewish custom, when you reclined at a table, you did not have a chair. For people would recline sitting on the floor and they would lean upon each other's breasts, so to speak, or bosom. You see, the scripture says, John the Beloved leaned his head upon the breast of Jesus. Now, in our culture, we don't do that because, you know, there's, it just it doesn't carry a right picture. But in Jewish culture, they, would, they, wasn't, they, wasn't, um, um, they wasn't afraid that, of their masculinity, so to speak. They, they were okay about showing affection. And so they leaned upon, their, uh, leaned upon the breast here of Jesus, and John, John the Beloved was known as an affectionate disciple. And that was their culture. And one of the things they did, and I'm glad cultures have changed, but one of the things they would do is they would rub behind the ear. That was a form of affection. A form of affection, to rub behind the ear. Something like somebody would massage your shoulders, you see. And, and Paul is saying that's exactly what's going to happen in the last day. We will run to people who will rub our ears or itch our ears to make us feel good and will run away from the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proposing to you tonight that we should give heed to theology, to Scripture. We should, we should read the Scriptures, apply the Scriptures to our life, because there's coming a day where people will not give heed to sound doctrine. There will, uh, there will be people that will apostatize their faith. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 13, Ephesians 4 and 13, the Apostle Paul said, listen, I have given you pastors, God has given you pastors and teachers, apostles and prophets, the five-fold ministry, and he says, he says, I've given these gifts to you so that you will come in the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of Man so that you can be perfect. The word perfect is mature. To the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse number 14, he says, I've given these pastors and teachers and prophets to you so they can grow you up so you can be a mature person that you be no more like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. He says, I, I've given pastors to you so they can teach you that you be no more like children anymore. That you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's why you have to have a pastor. That's why it's not good you stay home. That's why it's good you go to church. That the pastor can instill doctrine into you. That you can grow up to a mature man. And that you are not falling for every wind of heresy that's out there. Can I hear an amen? So you should give heed to doctrine. You should give heed to scripture. You see, Christianity is a head religion. It's a head religion. It's theology. It's scripture. You've got to engage the word of God with your mind. You see, as Christians, Pentecostal Christians, we think that we need to check our mind out at the front door. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You see, it is a head religion. Somebody say head religion. You see, John chapter 7, verse 16. John 7, verse 16. Jesus goes on to say this about his doctrine. This doctrine. John 7, verse 16. John chapter 7 verse 16 Jesus answered them and said my doctrine is not of my, my doctrine is not mine but the one who sent me Jesus is saying I've got a doctrine I've got a teaching I want to teach you something 
Because religion, Christianity, is just not about what you feel. It's about what you know. It's about what you know. It's not enough to have a feeling. You've got to know doctrine. Somebody say it's a head religion. It's a head religion. John 7 verse 16. Go on to verse 17. He goes on to say... He says, if any man is willing, if any man wills to do his will, he shall know concerning my doctrine, whether it's of God, whether I speak of my own authority. You see, he said, if you are of me, if you are willing, you should know my doctrine. I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen, but if you're serious about being a student of the Word, if you're serious about revival, if you're serious about hungering after the presence of God, then you've got to engage your mind according to doctrine. You've got to be hungry for the Word of God. You've got to engage your mind, your reason with Scripture tonight. Jesus said, if you're hungry, if you really want to do my will, you shall know the doctrine whether it's of God or whether it's not. In other words, you've got to use your reason. You've got, to, you've got to understand. You've got to have discernment whether the doctrine is of God or whether it's not of God. It's amazing to me the people that fall into Mormonism and people who fall into Jehovah Witness because they are not using discernment. They're, they're not discerning the doctrine of Christ compared to the doctrine of demons. He, Paul said that in the last days, some, that there will be some that will fall away from the faith and they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's why you have to come to church. That's why, because you know why you need to come to church? Because before you were converted, you were children of wrath. Your heart was full of wrath. Your mind was alienated from the world. And so therefore, at conversion, you were brought into the ark of safety, but it does not mean your mind is saved. It doesn't mean your mind is sanctified. Your spirit is saved at conversion, but your mind is not saved. So why in the world do you think you need to stay home on Sunday thinking that your mind is going to get better if your mind is not saved? Somebody help the preacher preach. Your mind is already alienated from God. Your spirit is saved, but your mind is not saved. And so that is why in Romans chapter 12, you are to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. You are to renew your mind with the Word of God. That is why we encourage you to get in a Bible study, to read the Bible, to memorize Scripture, to know Scripture, to renew your mind so your mind can say the same thing your spirit says. Hallelujah. You see, I'm talking about being a total Christian tonight. I'm talking about having a holistic view of Christianity. I'm talking about it is a head religion. It is a head relationship, number one. Number two, it is a heart relationship. It is a heart religion. It's a heart experience. You see, it's just not enough to know Scripture. There are many people who can quote scripture, know scripture, attend church, but their heart is dry. They sit there and they frown at the manifestations of the Spirit. They, they frown at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And anything that appears to be emotional, they frown at. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to be very, very careful that we, we, don't, we don't turn our heart against things because it's emotional and you're not emotional. 
The scripture is not against emotion. It's uncontrolled emotion that we've got to be careful of. It's, it's abusing our emotions that we've got to be careful of. I can prove throughout scripture where people made a joyful noise unto the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Luke that the Bible says that in the temple they were loudly praising God. And the disciples said to the master, would you not rebuke them? for they are making too much noise. I'm paraphrasing. And the master said, let it be known, let, let it alone, for they are worshiping me. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's, not, it's okay to have a heart religion. You see, it's okay to have, that is why, listen to me, that is why John Wesley, that is why a revival happened at the turn of the century, of the 18th century, because he was an Anglican believer. He, he had head religion. Sister Kathy, he went to Oxford University. He knew how to engage the scriptures. John Wesley was a part of a, of a holiness Bible club. It was a holy club, they called it, in Oxford. He knew how to engage the scripture. He was an Anglican. He went to church every Sunday. And in his journal, he said, what I have failed to realize, he says, I could reason with the Bible. I knew the traditions of my forefathers. He says, but I did not have experience. And he said, Methodism is a heart, is in a religion of experience. It's a heart thing. Methodism was based upon the heart relationship with God. They knew how to engage the scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why they were called Methodist. Because they had a method to their religion. They studied the scriptures. But John Wesley said, we're missing something. You know how to quote scripture. You're reading on Sunday morning, but you are dry of heart religion. You don't have no experience. Your heart is dry. Your, your, your eyes are dry because your heart's dry. There's no conviction in our preaching anymore. There's no Holy Spirit moving in our services anymore. All you've got is head religion and you have no heart religion. Is there anybody in the building tonight that you believe that this thing that's written in scripture is a living, breathing thing that can change your life. Hallelujah! John, John Wesley said right before he died, I do not fear that the people called Methodists would ever cease to exist in Europe or America, but what I do fear is that the people called Methodists would have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. They had head religion. They did not have heart religion. What is heart religion? Heart religion is the spiritual experience. It's, the, it's not only intellectually, it's, it's experientially. I just don't know about it. I, I've experienced it. I not only can quote the scriptures about salvation, but I can experience it. I, I don't, I'm just not quoting the scriptures about the Holy Spirit. I have experienced it. It's not only intellectually, it's experientially. It is what we call the heart religion. The heart religion. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. Ephesians 3 verse 16. Paul, Apostle Paul understood what the heart religion was. He understood, he said, he said that the Holy Spirit would grant you according to the riches of His glory to strengthen you that you might through His Spirit in the inner man. He says, I'm praying that you would experience the glory of His riches in your inner man. He goes on to say, he further says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
That you being rooted and grounded in love. You see what he's saying? He says it's more than head religion. You've got to have it in your heart. You've got to have it in your inner man. He goes on to say in verse number 18 that you may, that you may not be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the, the length and the depth and the height of his love. You see, it's just more. It's more than just head religion. He goes on to say that you may know Christ which passes knowledge. It's more than just the head. You've got to know him on the inside of you. That you would be filled with the fullness of God. Oh, it's not enough just to know the Bible. You've got to know it on the inside of your heart. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, not only do I know it, I know it up here and I know it down here. He says, he says, now unto him, I'm about to shout tonight, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works within us. That scripture has so much more weight to it when you read the verses before it because he is saying you just don't need to know about it. You just don't need to read about it. He says, but there comes a time in your relationship that the Holy Spirit does something in your heart and you know that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Whew. You see, that is why I can get up here and I can read the scripture to you. I can tell you he can do it. I can get up here and preach and break a sweat and tell you now unto him that's able to do exceedingly above what you think or ask and you will never be moved because all you got is head knowledge. You're giving mental assent to what I'm reading but he said it's got to go beyond knowledge. It's got to get in your heart that you know he's able to do you exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. You see, that's why we don't see God move anymore because we're given mental assent, but we don't really know about it in our heart. Hallelujah. It's more than just head knowledge. You've got to get it inside of you. That's why John Wesley wrote in his journal, I felt strangely warm. Theologian said, did he get sanctified or did he get really saved? I don't know what happened to him. I'm not here to argue whether sanctification is definite or progressive. It's both. What I'm saying that John Wesley started the, one of the greatest movements ever known to man because he understood that Anglicanism, reading the scriptures, engaging your heart, uh, engaging your mind in scripture, there's more to it. It's a religion of the heart. Oh, nobody wants to go to a church where a six foot icicle roams about the pulpit. Preaching dead sermons to dead people. I'm telling you, we want the fire of God back into the church. We want the fire of God. Hallelujah. I wish somebody's soul would just catch on fire again. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why they said, you've heard of John the Baptist. You've heard of his doctrine. But John said, there's somebody coming after me that I'm not even worthy to get down and untie his shoes. He's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's more than just head knowledge. You've got to get it inside of you. Hallelujah. Can somebody wave your hand and thank God? It's more than just head. It's got to get it in your heart. He said, now unto him. Hallelujah, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Raise your hands one more time. Can somebody just stand to your feet and say, God, get it in me, get it in me, get it in me. Get it in my heart, get it in my heart. Let it go from my head to my heart, Lord. 
get it inside of me. I want to know more just reading the scriptures. I want to get it inside of my heart. Oh, where Christ is richly dwelling into the depth of my inner man. Hallelujah. Look at this preacher tonight. That's why Jesus looked at his disciples. And he said unto his disciples, the Holy Ghost shall be like a river. And he's going to spring from your inner man. You see, it's more than just reading scripture. It is a heart thing. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what's happening in this postmodern generation. We got a bunch of churches that's good at preaching. We got a bunch of churches good at the fog machine and lights, and we got a bunch of churches that know how to put on a performance, and we got a bunch of churches that know how to do it really well, but it is dead religion. Get them in there for 60 minutes and send them home, because you know what? You know why they only have church for 60 minutes? Because there ain't no power. It's dead. It's dead. Get them in, get them out. It's a head religion. Look at me. That's why preachers got to preach for an hour. You know why we got to preach? Because we got to reason the scriptures with everybody. Because now we don't have no power to back up the scriptures anymore. So that's why we got to preach and preach and preach and preach all the time. Because in the New Testament, they preached and signs followed the preaching of the word. But now since signs don't follow the word, we sit down and debate the scriptures and reason the scriptures because we have no signs following the word anymore. So we've got to preach a long time. In the Bible, they preached a few minutes and signs followed the word. while we debate the scriptures and reason the scriptures and talk about the scriptures because you know why we do it? We're trying to convince people to believe it. We want them to believe it. But in the New Testament, one of the confirming, validating signs that it was true was that signs followed the preaching of the word. But now since signs don't follow the word anymore, we just try to preach people to death to try to convince them it's, it's real. Y'all know what I'm talking about? God, let something happen here in Galena. <laughs> Somebody help the preacher. God, set our souls on fire again. Let your power and your glory, let us not only talk about it, but let it be in our inner man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. 2 Corinthians 3 6. 2 Corinthians 3 6. Paul said this. He said, You've got to be careful. He said, 2 Corinthians 3 6. I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 3 6. He says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. He says, you now, go back to that verse, you now have a new covenant. It's not only just by what you read, it's by the Spirit who gives life. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but my Lord, I, whew. Hallelujah. Can somebody just help the preacher out tonight? <laughs> How many senses the presence of God tonight? I said, how many senses the presence of God tonight? 
I'm talking about more than a letter. I'm talking about the spirit that gives life. I'm talking about something that gets on the inside of you. I'm talking about something that gets out and bubbles out of you. It's like a river. And Jesus said it's going to flow out of you like... Listen, I've been to so many sermons and conferences and sermonettes. Why is people still leaving the same way? Got the greatest preachers on the planet preaching. People still sick. People still bound. The conversion rate in America is very low. Well, what about all these mega churches? Most of them are church transfers. We got all these great preachers. Ain't no miracles going on. No, conversion is low. Because it takes more than just a sermon. Is head knowledge good? But it has to be more than head knowledge. It has to be. Says this to a new covenant. It's not just of the letter. It says it's of the spirit. It's of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, just stretch your hands to Weston there. Let's just see that he just wants it tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody just go lay hands on him. Come on. He's hungry, so why don't we just pray for him tonight? He's hungry for it. Hallelujah. Just lay hands on him. Weston, just receive it tonight and be refilled with the Holy Ghost tonight. Randy, lay hands on top of his head. Don't doubt your calling, Weston. Don't don't ever say you're not qualified anymore. Don't say, Lord, you can't use me because of this and I'm not qualified. That's a lie of the devil. We speak the Word of God to you tonight that the gifts and the callings of God that's inside of you is going to arise. The things that's dormant is going to come up out of you. You are a strong man of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's not only a head thing. It is a heart thing. Somebody say it's a heart thing. Not only is it a head, heart thing, it is the hands. Hands. Somebody say hands. James chapter 1, verse 27. James 1 and 27. Everybody say hands. James was very clear in James chapter 1, verse 27. He said, this is pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father, that you visit orphans and widows in trouble. You keep yourself from the unspotted from the world. Hands is activity. It's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just a feeling. You've got to have some activity with that thing. And he said that pure and undefiled religion before God. Do you want to know what real religion is? Real religion is not ceremonies and sacraments and sermonettes. Real religion is when you know it and you feel it and you do it. Hallelujah. He said this is real religion. That you get out beside these walls. 
And you start to feed the orphans and the widows. But in our culture, you don't ever hear anything about orphans and widows, do you? We have conferences on marriage, conferences on this, but you don't see no conferences on how to take care of a widow. He said, if you want to please God, you better take care of the widows and the orphans. That's how you please God. Pure and undefiled religion before God. James 2 and verse 14. You see, it's not only a head, it's not only a heart, it is the hands. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? He goes on in verse 15. He gives this discourse. If a brother and sister is naked and destitute of daily food, he goes on to say, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give to him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. What does it profit? For us to have a church service tonight and read the scriptures and feel the presence of God and never do anything with it. He says, what does it profit? Because it's more than head. It's more than heart. It's hands. He says, what does it profit? You just tell people. You see, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is for us to pray all the time. Let me clarify that. You don't need to pray about feeding the poor. You don't need to pray about helping the widows. You don't need to pray about serving in the church. If you're not careful, you'll fall into that mysticism and it's all about the heart and you're always praying about doing something and never doing anything. <laughs> Sit right there. I'll pray about it, preacher. I'll pray about it. No, you're not. Because you don't want to get your hands dirty. You're following all the heart. Use the hands. He says on verse number 17, he says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. 2 Timothy 2, 21. Paul gives this discourse and said, you are saved for something. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Why are you saved? You're saved for good works. Oh, you're saved for what? Good works. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful, we can be close to the cross and far from the blood. If we're not careful, we'll be like what Jesus said in Mark 12, 28. Jesus made this statement in Mark chapter 12. He says in verse number 34. He says, we'll go to verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard him reasoning together. Is it all right to use your mind? Of course it is. Perceiving that he had answered well and said, which is the commandment at all? Which is the, the first commandment of all? 
Jesus answers and says, Thus first of all the commandments, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Goes on to say in verse number 30, And ye shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Your strength is your hands. Your mind, the head, the soul, the heart. You see the three things. You should love the Lord your God with all these things. This is the first commandment. And the second one is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. Goes on to verse 32. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You've spoken the truth. For there is only one God. And there is no other but He. And to love Him with all your heart and understanding and soul and strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus made a statement. Jesus said unto him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far? You mean to tell me I didn't inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said you're not far from it. You haven't entered it. You're, you're just not far from it. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying it's more. It's more than reciting the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. As the Jews did every day. They agreed with Him. There's one God. Jesus is saying there, it's more than just reciting Scripture. It's more than giving mental assent to the Torah. It's more than that. And if all you do is give mental assent to it, you're not in the kingdom. You're just, you're, you're just not far from it. Because if we're not careful, we can love God with our mind and give mental assent and agree with the doctrines of the church and the ancient creeds of the church. I can stand before you and recite the creeds of the church. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God and true God from true. We go on and on. It's more than just all of that. You're not far from the kingdom. Not far from the kingdom. The Pharisees had head knowledge. They knew how to debate the Scriptures. They had it memorized. They were lacking in the heart. They are lacking in the hands. Oh, they gave their alms. They, they blessed people. They wouldn't feed a Samaritan. They only used their hands so much. See, my point is this. If you're not careful, idols can creep in. We can have idols in our heart. We can say, as long as I know about it, it's all right. I don't need to experience it. I don't need to do anything with it. We can create idols of pride in our heart. Self-centeredness in our heart. You know, it's interesting to me in Genesis 31-34, Genesis 31-34, it's interesting to me, the matriarch of the Old Testament, she went in and took some idols of her father's house and she put it in the, the, the camel's saddle. 
And Laban began to search all throughout the tent and couldn't find the idols. Isn't that just like us? We all have a, we all have a, a saddle, don't we? We have little idols we put it in our saddle. Nobody knows about it. Small and insignificant. But every one of you have a saddle. And every one of you, if you're not careful, you go throughout your life collecting idols and put them in your saddle. It's more than just giving mental assent to the doctrines and creeds of the church. It's more than just reading the Bible. It's also a religion of the heart. It's also the religion of the hands. I'm talking about a holistic view of Christianity. I'm talking about being a total Christian. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you, Lord. And what was his response? Go feed my sheep. Peter, it's more than just hearing me teach. Oh, you're going to get the baptism here just a while after I leave. But don't you forget, Peter, with all this intellectual knowledge you've received from me in three years, and, and don't forget this spirit baptism you're about to be baptized with. Don't you forget to use your hands and feed my sheep. This more. Boy, as you look around in Christianity today, you see these churches, don't you? You see the churches that engage the Scriptures intellectually, and they know how to defend Orthodox Christianity to the T. You have the churches that's full of the heart. They dance and shout and fall on the floor, but the Word of God is it's weak. They base their religion upon this is how it feels. This is what I want to do. They have become their own source of authority instead of the Scriptures. You see, all three of these things you must have, but don't take any of them out of the extreme. You take head knowledge to the extreme and you become legalistic and dead. You take heart religion to the extreme, you become mystic. And crazy and a nut. You take your hands to the extreme, you burn out your physical body. Feeding the poor. You become very critical of anybody who's not doing it. One, every one of you is either one of these three or all of them. And I'm proposing tonight that we should be all of them. And it takes the Spirit of God in and through our life to walk a holistic view and to, and to look at these three things in a balanced approach. Are you hearing me tonight? The Word is the head. It's the evangelical principle. The heart is the Pentecostal principle. 
The hands is the sacramental principle. Hands, he took it, blessed it, broke it. Sacramental. That's why the church service in the early first century was threefold. It was called the liturgy of the word. The liturgy of the word. The liturgy of the Eucharist. Word. Eucharist hands. And then the spirit baptism. Where would they lay hands upon them after water baptism that they might receive the spirit. The early church understood it took all three. Sadly to say in Pentecostal churches, it's either all of the glory of God or all of the word of God. Very little place of the sacraments. Very little place on outreach and evangelism. And I'm proposing to you tonight that God is calling us to all three.